Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, continuing our series on how to build your business. Today I get to talk to Jen Jamar about marketing strategy. Jen really knows her stuff when it comes to this topic, which I loved because I learned a ton. And the best part, we talk about a strategy for marketing that won't cost you thousands of dollars in Facebook ads. We'll get to that in a minute, but first, let's hear a word from our sponsors. This season of How I Built It is brought to you by two fantastic sponsors. The first is Liquid Web. If you're running a membership site, an online course, or even a real estate site on WordPress, you've likely already discovered many hosts that have optimized their platforms for a logged out experience, where they cache everything. Sites on their hardware are great for your sales and landing pages, but struggle when your users start logging in. At that point, your site is as slow as if you were on $3 hosting. Liquid Web built their managed WordPress platform optimized for sites that want speed and performance, regardless of whether a customer is logged in or logged out. Trust me on this, I've tried it out and it's fast, seriously fast. Now, with their single site plan, Liquid Web is a no-brainer for anyone whose site is actually part of their business and not just a site promoting their business. Check out the rest of the features on their platform by visiting them at buildpodcast.net slash liquidweb. That's buildpodcast.net slash liquidweb. It's also brought to you by Jilt. Jilt is the easiest way to recover abandoned shopping carts on WooCommerce, Easy Digital Downloads, and Shopify. Your e-commerce clients could be leaving literally thousands of dollars on the table, and here's why. 70% of all shopping carts are abandoned prior to checkout. Yes, you heard that right. 70% of shoppers never make it to checkout. And that's why you need to introduce your clients to Jilt. Jilt uses proven recovery tactics to rescue that lost revenue. It's an easy win that lets you boost your client's revenue by as much as 15%, and it only takes 15 minutes of your time to set up. Jilt fully integrates with WooCommerce, EDD, and Shopify, and you can completely customize the recovery emails that Jilt sends to match your client's branding using its powerful drag-and-drop editor, or by digging into the HTML and CSS. Even better, Jilt's fair pricing means your clients pay only for the customers they actually engage, and you get to earn a cut of that through Jilt's partner program. Whether you have clients that process one sale per month or 10,000 sales per month, be the hero and help them supercharge their revenue with Jilt. Check them out at buildpodcast.net slash Jilt. That's buildpodcast.net slash J-I-L-T. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Now, today, I have a very special guest with me. We're not talking about building a specific product. We're talking about building a marketing plan, which is something, frankly, I don't know anything about. So I'm really excited for my guest. I forgot to ask her how to pronounce her name. Is it Jen Jamar? It is Jen Jamar. All right. Jen Jamar, how are you today? I am fabulous. Thank you for asking. Excellent. Excellent. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and your background for what you'll be talking about today? 
Sure. So I'm a marketing strategist over at Mark, uh, Modern Tribe. We make the events calendar, event tickets, and a whole bunch of other event management plugins. We've got over 8 million downloads, so there's a good chance a lot of people listening have used one of our plugins before. And I primarily work on our products team doing marketing. So that means when we're launching a new product, when we're trying to grow the downloads of our existing products, and newly, we're launching some new SaaS products and incubating some additional ones. So we're doing some marketing planning for that as well. I'm pretty active in the WordCamp community, speaking at WordCamp Minneapolis and a few others. So I've gotten a good sense of some of the marketing challenges that plugin authors, theme authors, and even just general freelancers face with their business. Cool. Very cool. And we started, we kind of set this up because Modern Tribe did sponsor the show uh, back in season three. And we got to talking about marketing strategy. And I thought that this would be a good topic to talk about. So I generally try to keep the show to a half hour. So we're going to pack everything we possibly can in. And if we go over, perhaps uh, you can get more over on our Patreon page. But uh, for now, let's talk about this. This is my biggest problem. Uh, I take a very field of dreams approach to marketing, right? So uh, I always I always think I've built something good and therefore they will come, right? So let's start with the first question. I've built it. How do I get them to come? Oh, that that's a good one. And that comes a lot. I think a lot of times people build what they love or what they want themselves. And they don't spend as much time thinking about why do other people need or want to use this? And more specifically than that, what problem can my thing solve for them? So if you can figure out what problem your thing solves, and it probably won't be the first one you think of, then you can start finding out who those people are. And you can start with your own network to say, hey, do you guys know anybody who has X problem that I can talk to and see, hey, like, what do they think about my product? Is it worth the money I'm charging? Or would they use it for free, et cetera, et cetera. Nice. And, and that's great, right? Because uh, so a lot of people on the show has said, have said that they scratch their own itch, right? So they're solving a problem that specifically they have, right? But not everybody might have that problem. So uh, let's say I've, I have built uh, an add-on for PowerPress, which is the podcasting plugin that I use. Uh, it does things like add sponsor, like a, a sponsor post type and a transcript post type and stuff like that. So I, I was scratching my own itch there. I think I view this as a problem that other podcasters have, but you said talk to other people in the space. What do you, like, what do you think I should do, right? What's my step one? I have the code on the repo. What do I do? Do I just like give it to people and say like, just tell me what you think? Do I ask them like canned questions or anything like that? No. no. All right. <laughs> the first thing you do is go find a couple of those people and literally talk to them. You don't have to spend days and days and days doing this kind of research, but one or two conversations are going to give you the right direction to go in. So talk to a couple of your podcaster friends and say, hey, I built this thing. Is it something that would be helpful to you? Like that simple question. And they'll probably come back and say like, heck yeah, but wait, does it do this? Does it do that? And that's the difference between whether you're offering something for free or whether you're offering something as a premium product. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's, that's great advice, right? Because certain things, you know, might be valuable to everybody, but not necessarily worth paying for, right? But some of these advanced features that will save people time and money, correct me if I'm wrong. Those are the things where I say, hey, I'm solving this problem for you. This is a problem. Uh, that I know you have that I'm going to solve and it's going to save you X amount of time or X amount of dollars. 
Yes. And you can also scale this much bigger. Once you've talked to a couple people and they're like, yeah, yeah, this is like something that's valuable to me. I've run into it. If I generally think if more than two or people have run into the problem, there's probably a whole bunch more of them that I just don't know where they're at and I need to find them. And so that's the next challenge of marketing. It's not like, hey, where do I jump in and start selling? Or, you know, do I put it up for free and start giving the code away? It's how do I get in touch with these people and get in front of them? Because you can make the best product in the world. It could be the cheapest product in the world. If nobody, if nobody that wants it finds it, you're not going to have any sales or any downloads or anything like that. Gotcha. This is where that whole, let me Google that for you comes in, in handy. It, it sounds silly, but do some search terms for questions you think people would be asking that would have them land on your product. This isn't really keyword research or SEO stuff. This is about finding like, hey, where's the forums where people are talking about podcasting in this instance? And not just talking about, you know, like sponsoring a podcast or necessarily the technical side of podcasts, but the DIYers who are really going to need this type of technology to make their podcast go more smoothly. They might be just starting out. That's the person you want to capture because you don't need to compete with all those people who offer a more comprehensive all-in-one solution. Gotcha. And and that makes a lot of sense. And those DIYers, right? So uh, I was just, I just recently heard this, right? I'm not going to make a page for this plugin that says sponsors, custom post type, transcripts, custom post type, right? The people aren't Googling that. They're Googling the problem they have. And I'm trying to help them solve that problem. So just like talking about all the fun technical stuff that I think is cool, isn't probably the best marketing copy. Not unless you're marketing to people who are interested in the technical part. Like if you've got some way cool customizations you can do because of some technical piece you've written in there, great. Then write it as techie as you want. But if you're writing it for people who are trying to avoid the techie stuff because Mm -hmm. something like transcribing it automatically is a huge time saver or people who are trying to, like we said, the, the DIYers who don't have a team behind them. I don't know if you've ever tried to transcribe audio. I have. It's a pain in the butt. It, it's, forever. yeah. Right. Uh, and, yeah, agreed. <laughs> and if you hire somebody, it gets really expensive, especially, you know, if you're doing regular podcasts like you do, I wouldn't want to incur that monthly fee. If you write a plugin or a code snippet or something that will do it for me, boom, here, take my money because you just saved me several hours or X amount of money that I would have been spending elsewhere. Nice, nice. write Write your page against that. Like, do you want to save two hours per episode in transcription time? Do you want your podcast automatically transcribed? Are you repurposing your content elsewhere? we've got a something that will transcribe it so you can turn it into a blog post on XYZ site. All of those things are things you'll want to focus on. Gotcha. So focus on solving problems, answering questions related to that problem. And then, so you're set, you have your, let's say we have our marketing page now. How do I get people to come to this marketing page? Are there good advertising channels or like, should I try things organically at first? Uh, what's my first step for actually getting people to come to this page? That depends on where you're at and how much research you've done. Mm -hmm. If you know, like genuinely know there's a high demand for your product, go ahead and pay ads to get in front of those people, assuming you also know where those people are hanging out. Mm -hmm. If you're not sure and you're assuming there's a high demand because you've talked to a couple people and they all said they want it, but it's not a statistically significant sample yet, that's where... I prefer to not start by spending money because I don't want to throw money away. 
especially if I'm kind of bootstrapping it and this is maybe more of a passion project that I'm trying to see, will it take off into something? You know, like you said, you built it to solve your own itch. Then I recommend doing some organic stuff, especially in the WordPress community. Like we're all part of different WordPress groups and Slack channels and local meetups. And so there's ample opportunity to go out and talk to people and say, hey, I I built this. Do you know somebody that I should be sharing this with? Or do you know someone who might be, might find it useful that, you know, you can share it with. And it's not so much about leveraging those connections just, just to promote your stuff, but it's about figuring out where, like getting advice on where they think you should spread the word. I know I get that all the time. I remember what it was, but somebody was asking me recently about using a, a builder plugin. And I'm like, Hey, like there's this whole community on Facebook. This is the specific group you should go join. And so when it's your product that's solving something, somebody's going to say, like our podcast example, like, hey, there's this whole user group of these podcasters, and I bet they would be interested. Why don't you go ask their admin if, they can sh- if you can share your link over there? And now, boom, you're getting some of that traffic. And as you start to get more traffic, you can look at, like, where is it coming from? Am I doing stuff on social that's bringing people in? Am I starting to see Google traffic trickle in? Are the based on the people who are interested in your product, you can even start building out specific landing pages. So then it okay. does target different keyword traffic. Google AdWords used to be great for finding out keyword traffic volume, and it's not anymore. If you want to get into that, buy your buddy who does SEO lunch or plan to spend some money investing in some different software that'll get you more accurate search results on that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. And that's great. I will link to uh, Rebecca Gill's episode of the podcast. She talks about all sorts of different tools like that. So that's really interesting, right? Because it's, I, I find, at least for me, it's starting out, it's very hard to, to understand who exactly my audience is. Even with, uh, with the podcast, you know, I've been going for three seasons. Uh, this is season four. I have over 2000 downloads per episode and this and that. And I don't really understand the audience. So recently, at the time of this recording, I got some advice to kind of install the Facebook Pixel to, and not do any advertising, right? Just kind of uh, let it run to see what kind of people are visiting my site. Have you found that that has been effective for you at Modern Tribe? Or uh, is there kind of another way that you prefer to understand your audience and who's visiting your site? That's a great question. At Tribe, it's a little different because we don't necessarily have people visiting our site who are using our plugins. Since they're available in the repo, they can download it from there and we don't have any visibility to any of their information other than in addition to our download count and to our active install uh, install number. In that sense, we don't know who's using our free plugin, but we do have an option where if people would like to and they can turn it on and off, they can display that this is powered by the events calendar, in -hmm. which case we can do some searches and gather some data about, okay, what types of sites now are running it? We still don't have the information about the site admin themselves or the person that downloaded it, but we've got a sense of what the site is about. With our premium plugins, of course, we have all kinds of data because their license key is active on a specific site and they've given us data during purchase. And with those, we do take a big chunk of that and say, hey, wow, we've got a whole bunch of churches running our plugins, or we've got a ton of higher ed people running our plugins. Let's say maybe we need to design a landing page so that those people know which of our plugins are most useful for them, especially if they're using one and it turns out that a couple others could make it an even better experience. It's not just about selling them more stuff. 
It's about giving the complete package so that they don't have to look elsewhere. Gotcha. That's So that's really interesting, uh, especially what you said about the repo, right? Because I've talked to a few plugin developers and they've, they've said that using the repo is great for exposure, but it sounds like it might not be the best thing if you want to build a kind of direct marketing plan. What's your opinion on having a free plugin in the repo without well, I, getting you in trouble? I guess. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's great. I mean, that's where we got our start with the mm-hmm. events calendar. So because of that, it's created a steady stream of users and the, the events calendar, to be clear, is on its own a fully functioning mm-hmm. piece of software. It is not something that like is missing features or a light version. Right. Our pro version, however, adds even more functionality. It adds in premium support and all of those things. So what we find is people are like, cool, I've got the events calendar. It does everything I need to do, but wait, nope. Now I want to do recurring events or now I've got support and I want like an answer right away. I don't want to wait for like when there's a pass on the .org repo support forums. So people kind of upgrade naturally. There's that pattern. It's called the freemium model. Mm -hmm. Get them into free. They want to upgrade into one of your paid or add on additional ones. Like front end event submission is our paid community events plugin that's not built in. To step back to somebody who's starting out, it's great because you get your name up there. Look at how many other names are up there. If there are 80 different plugins with 80,000 downloads a piece, yours probably isn't going to show that high. You're probably better off still putting it there because it doesn't hurt. And then leveraging some of the other tools to get it shared within in front of the audience. Like say if WP Mayor will do a review, check if there's, if there's something newsworthy, hit up WP Tavern and see if they'll write something about it. There's the WordPress weekly email newsletter. You can send it to them and say, hey, I just launched this new plugin. Will you give it a mention? And if they think it's interesting, they'll do that. You don't have to pay for those things. You don't have to do extra stuff. But to go back to the the .org repo, the other piece of that is there are new things like the Freemius plugin that Vova Feldman created Mm -hmm. that allow you to prompt your users when they install your plugin if they'd like to share their contact information or if they'd like to share data with you. Hey, everybody. I want to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Checkout for WooCommerce. Checkout for WooCommerce replaces your WooCommerce checkout page with a beautiful, responsive, and conversion-optimized design that works with every theme. If you're not optimizing your checkout page, you could be losing 30% of your customers. Checkout for WooCommerce makes it easy to provide your customers with a fantastic checkout experience. You can try Checkout for WooCommerce free for seven days by going to buildpodcast.net slash CWC. That's buildpodcast.net slash CWC. Use the promo code BUILT for 10% off your purchase. And I'd say the percentage that opt-in varies, but it's usually more than most people expect. Okay. You have to know your audience when you're starting out. You don't know your audience, so it's not going to hurt you <laughs> necessarily. Right, right. But if you have an established audience where you haven't asked that before, they're probably going to be like, well, wait, why is this prompting me for this? Why are you suddenly changing gears? Are you mm-hmm. selling us out? Like, just be aware. Yeah. So if this is your first time launching something, great idea. If it's your like third, fourth, fifth product and you haven't done it before, you need to be more thought. Still a great idea, but be more thoughtful about how you approach it. Gotcha. So users will have like an expectation, right? If if people have downloaded a hundred thousand versions of other plugins I've had and then this brand new one, I'm like, hey, give me all your data. They're going to be like, why? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a communication thing at that point, right? Like, hey, I really want to get to know you better sort of thing. Yeah. And it's also, I think, just about transparency. One of the concerns with any of the data collection that I have, and I'm a marketer, so right. yeah. uh, the, it's kind of a big deal when somebody on this side says it, is companies are selling our data. There's big business and big data. And I don't want to do business with somebody who's doing that. I won't work for a company that does that because even though it's not, it's not against the law, it's not unethical, it's just not my particular brand of this is how we get ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if somebody wants my data to, to make the thing I'm using better, especially if I'm using it for free, like mm-hmm. you got to understand that there's going to be some trade-off, right? But if they're just selling it to third parties, like, you know, it's the product is not worth it for me, like you said. So cool. So we, we talked a bit about the organic stuff, about getting up and running. Some really good ideas to reach out to like WP Marin Tavern and I've been told, you know, like do guest blog posts, establish yourself as an authority to gain that kind of trust in the field where you want to be. But let's say I am ready. I, I know the people I want to target for advertising. What channels do you think are most effective? And am I going to have to like spend my life savings advertising? <laughs> you can. I don't mm. recommend it. <laughs> so if you... If you're already getting traffic to your site, you mentioned retargeting earlier or installing a Facebook pixel or Google pixel. Retargeting can be extremely effective. And so go ahead and what it's going to do is it's going to track where people are on your site. It's going to allow you to serve up ads to them when they're away from your site. And you can drill down and get really, really specific. You can say, I only want to show this ad if somebody added it to their cart and then abandoned the cart. I only want to show this ad if they viewed at least these three pages on my site or if they got um, three quarters of the way down this page. Now I'm going to show them an ad somewhere else. Now that assumes you're targeting an audience who doesn't use a lot of ad blockers. Mm -hmm. Sure. Otherwise you're spending money to not show them things and that's not very effective. Yeah. Um, So again, like if you're targeting developers, it's pretty fair to assume that developers are using ad blockers and retargeting might not be as effective on them. Right. Now that said, developers still use social networks. Mm -hmm. They still use, you know, forums and things that if you can adjust your display network settings that you can try to appear on those sites versus the general ones, it might still be worth it. It might still be something that the ad blockers and the way Google does their ad programs are always evolving. Mm -hmm. We're expecting to see some big shifts coming in the next year, but nobody really knows quite what that's going to be. So um, for now though, it can be effective. I also think doing some paid placement things like, you know, Modern Tribe sponsored a podcast. We wanted to see, you know, what kind of results did we get? We had never done one before. We thought, Hey, Joe's a great guy. How I built it sounds (laughs) like a good fit developers use our plugins. He's talking to developers. Let's give it a shot. And there's also, you know, you can pay for sponsored posts on sites. You can actually pay for people to do reviews of your plugin. All of those pieces can come together in our different avenues. I wouldn't go out and buy like a TV spot or a radio ad necessarily. You might also, one that I don't hear come up as much that I think is a smart way to do it. I see people like, should I sponsor WordCamp? And you should sponsor WordCamp if you want to give back to the community. If you're trying to promote a plugin, maybe. It depends. Does your plugin appeal to the majority of the people there? 
Okay, cool. Are the majority of the people there not using your plugin already? Cool. Now it makes sense. If your plugin only applies to like 20 people there, you just spent $1,000 plus to talk to 10 people. That's not necessarily the best ROI. On the other hand, there are meetups all over the place. And do you know how much it costs to buy pizza for 20 people? (laughs) Not a whole lot. 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Depends on where you are, right? Yeah. Maybe a hundred bucks, you know, depending on how, maybe they're really hungry. I don't know. Yeah, right. like offer to go buy pizza, ask yeah. for their feedback, ask if you yeah. can give a demo. Like this is legitimate stuff. This is building relationships. And those people like, that's how you're starting to get that word of mouth advertising. Yeah. And yeah, you paid for it, but you're also just the cool guy who hooked him up with pizza this month. Right. Right. Which, I mean, that's a lesson that I learned in college, right? If you want people to come to your event, offer free pizza. Like that's how you get college kids to go anywhere. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. That's how you get people to move stuff too. pizza and beer. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. That's, that's fantastic. So you mentioned uh, several dozen things that I want to follow up on. So I'm just going to say right here, we're like 20 minutes or so in, we are most likely going to go over. So we will have the regular episode and then we will have the bonus super cool part over on patreon.com slash how I built it. And I suspect I'm not there yet because this is in real time that I'm adding this spot. I suspect the conversation is going to be even more excellent over there. Because I, I do want to get to how did you build your marketing strategy for the events calendar, right? That's like the title question. But there are a few other things I want to parse out and we'll do that in the bonus. So that said, uh, so a, I guess a quick teaser. I want to ask you about uh, the Google Pixel because I know there's a Facebook one. And then talk a little bit more about like uh, TV ad spots, the ROI of WordCamps and things like that. So, but first, let's get to the title question. How did you build it? And in this case, how did you build it is, let's say the marketing strategy for Modern Tribe that you most want to talk about, whether that's the events calendar or something else. Oh, I should have anticipated this question a little bit better. So the events calendar was built because we were scratching our own itch. And to be fair, I've been with Modern Tribe a little over two years. Okay. The events calendar has been around for like 10. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we built it for a lot of our clients. We realized we were building similar things and we're like, hey, maybe we should like put this together and package it as a plugin. Back then, there wasn't really a marketing plan. Over the years, there hasn't really been like a focused marketing plan in the sense of like, I can go to an agency and ask what's the marketing plan for XYZ brand. And they'll say, Oh, it's right here. Mm-hmm. No, there wasn't any of that. We enjoyed a lot of kind of organic growth and organic marketing and the org repo played a large role in that. And then we have continued to release features that have kept us relevant and have kept people adding it. And it's been great. We mentioned earlier the reliance on traffic and downloads from the wordpress.org repository and the inability to get customer contact information from that. Mm-hmm. While we love WordPress and will always probably be in the .org repository, what we're doing right now is more building a marketing plan that allows us to get users from different channels. And that's not just because we, it's not because we want to get away from the repository, it's because people might not be searching there. And when they're searching there, they may not be searching for the keywords that are actually for things that we solve. Right. And since we do sell premium products, it's also because we can mention those just a little bit, like, hey, there are these extra extensions available in our .org 
plugin listing, but we can't really go into a lot of detail there. So, right. so, so actually, just to be clear here, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You're listed on the repo. You don't get user information, but you're also not allowed to like actively sell in the description or in forum posts, right? Like, so if I have a support question, you can't say, "Hey, check out premium support over at the Modern Tribe," right? If you say, "Hey, you guys haven't responded in three days. How come I'm not getting faster res- support?" We can mm-hmm. point you to say that. We do a pass once or twice a week and offer light support for bug reports in the repo. But if you're looking for faster support, we do offer premium gotcha. support here. Gotcha. Okay. We can't just blatantly say, oh, don't use the support forum. Go use I the see. premium support there. Okay. That, that totally makes sense. Okay. So sorry to interrupt. You were looking at other channels for these reasons that you're listing. Yeah. And so we've got a pretty extensive resource base built within the eventscalendar.com. We've got a knowledge base. We've got themers guides. We've got an extensions library of snippets you can have because our support team was like, eh, this doesn't need to be released as another plugin. Mm-hmm. We can just give you a snippet to install and fix, go. Those are all things that we, there's no place for them on the .org repository. So people don't know necessarily when they download the events calendar that they have all these resources available to them. Gotcha. And since we don't have their contact information, other than that initial installation page when they first install the plugin, we can't communicate that to them very well. I don't know about you, but I always skip over that initial page. Yeah, I never yeah. click around if there's like a little user guide pointing right. to the settings. Nope. Right. I just skip, skip, skip. Right. I'm sure I know how to figure this out. Right. I just so want now, to create events right now. Like that's why right. I saw this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so we want to create other channels to access those users. And also to get people to our site who might need, like I said, some of the premium functionality and they wouldn't otherwise find it because the premium plugins aren't listed in the repo. So we're looking at things, like I said, targeted landing pages. We are going to be doing a bigger content marketing push in 2018. Another piece I think people don't talk about when it comes to marketing is the amount of resources. Like people say, oh, well, there's a bunch of stuff you can do for free and there's much stuff you can like pay for. Even when you're doing paid stuff, like if you're going to spend a thousand bucks on Facebook ads, that's not a net cost of a thousand dollars. That's just the ad running cost. Right. There's how much time are you creating to uh, spending to create those images? Are you hiring a designer to do that? Are you doing it yourself? Oh, do you know how to configure Facebook? Do you know how to install the Facebook pixel? Do you know how to create custom audiences, how to create lookalike audiences, how to set up different, like you can see the list goes on and on and on. That's just Facebook. You can do this on LinkedIn. You can do this on Twitter. We've talked about the Google display network. We, so it it gets pretty extensive and the same thing on the free side. Okay. You can write a guest post. How much time do you spend writing content? Again, are you including images? How much time are you spending producing those? If you know what keywords you're targeting, if you want a keyword target, and then there's just interacting with that site admin or editorial manager who's going to publish the content, like they probably want to review it. There's back and forth. There's definitely a big time cost that comes with marketing. So you have to factor that in when you're doing different things. Right now for 2017, content marketing wasn't a big focus for the eventscalendar.com because we're putting a lot of energy towards a new SaaS product that we're launching end of this year, early next. Nice. And so all of that is happening behind the scenes. Yeah, it's, it's separate from the events calendar. And so you're not seeing that reflected on the events calendar.com. We're also working on building 
up our marketing team. I'm sure by the time this airs, we'll have a little bit more in place, but you know, it's the same thing with resource constraints. We also, for us, marketing includes keeping our existing customers updated on new things that we're working on, new things that we're planning. We've got in the past year, we've done things like we did a big refresh of our community events plugin. So we want people to know, Hey, we've been putting in this work for you. We didn't forget about you. You don't just buy it and it's one and done. Like we continuously try to add value to it. Same thing. We did our rest API endpoints in the events calendar this past year, which was, you know, a big deal for people who want to extend it beyond WordPress. Right, right. We need to give you that information, communicate it and do the best job that we can. So juggling that is, it's always a challenge and it's always a matter of finite resources at the end of the day. Gotcha. Yeah. And I mean, as a one man band here, that makes total sense to me, right? So with the remaining minutes of the main interview, before we get into like the bonus round, I want to ask you two questions. One is the question that I end every show with. So we'll get to that next. But if you are a one man band with limited resources, could you give me like a top three, top five things that I should try to focus on if I want to sell my plugin? Oh, yeah. So talk to a couple people to figure out if your plugin is purchase worthy, for lack of a better term, and try to figure out what price point they would buy it at. I think we all tend to jump to like, oh, I think I can sell it for 50 and it turns out people are only willing to pay 15 or I'm just going to list it at 15 and see who buys it and people are really willing to pay 75. Like, don't make those mistakes. It's really hard to correct them down the road. Right. Yeah. Especially, Um, I mean, a price increase is there are tomes written about how hard it is to do that without annoying at least some people. Mm-hmm. So. Make sure you can be found if people are looking for you. And then there's two more pieces I'll say are like part of the, the top things you should do. One is go out and find where people are asking questions and answer them. Quora, Reddit, Facebook groups, like just search in quotes for your question or variations of your question, and you will find, like, literally, here's where somebody asked it. Be the person that answers. You don't necessarily have to link back to your stuff, but if you keep appearing in these conversations, you're going to gain some awareness as, like, hey, that's the, that's the guy to ask about this, or the gal in that case. The other one is to let your friends and family and whomever know what you're doing. To this day, my mom will say, I don't know what Jen does. She sits in front of a computer, and she doesn't come visit me enough. <laughs> she can't recommend me it who knows who she might run into in her life that right. needs you know marketing strategy she can't recommend me because she can't say it if people around you don't know what you're doing don't know what this cool project is they can't recommend you to others they can't give you recommendations on how to connect with people so i think that's like really really baseline must do nice that's that's fantastic and actually you know i've wondered if i've been like oversharing my work stuff too much on Facebook, but that definitely lets my friends and family know exactly what I'm doing and what I'm trying to hawk that week. So that's really great advice. So before we get to the extended stuff, I'm going to ask you, uh, do you have any trade secrets for us? I don't like to give them away. Understandable. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do. This is probably the biggest trade secret that people are willing to give away free advice. Like if you tell me, hey, Jen, I'm stuck on this. Is it like, can I take you out to lunch and maybe get your advice on it? I'll say, sure. Like this week is busy. Why don't we look two weeks out? Let's put something on the calendar. If somebody asks me for a call, I do the same thing. I do virtual coffees with people all the time. 
And I'm not the only one. Like I then ask people, hey, I'm stuck on this. Can we meet and would you mind giving me a couple tips? The key there is to be really specific about what you're looking for and not just come out and ask somebody to do it for you. Right. I've had those people contact me as well. And then I'm like, well, I don't, I'm really busy. I don't think I can fit that in. Right, right. But if you're just looking for a few things and you're genuinely connecting, awesome. We've all been at that starting point. Find people who can give you those stepping stones to get to where you want to be. Nice. I absolutely love that. People are always willing to give away free advice. So remember that people just ask. It's it's something that I say on the show all the time because it's worked a lot for me. Thanks again to Jen so much for joining me. Much like with Nicole last week, I was able to change up some of what I was doing thanks to Jen's advice. While unfortunately we couldn't connect for the second part of the interview over on Patreon, I think this episode is packed full of great, actionable stuff. And thanks again to our sponsors. Make sure to check out Liquid Web for managed WordPress hosting. I use them on all of my important sites. They are that good. They're over at buildpodcast.net slash liquid, and they'll give you 50% off your first two months just for being a listener. If you want to save your clients or yourself money through recovering abandoned carts, check out Jilt. They're over at buildpodcast.net slash Jilt. And finally, if you want to put the cherry on top of the e-commerce trifecta, there's checkout for WooCommerce. If Jilt brings back people who leave, checkout for WooCommerce is the tool that prevents them from leaving in the first place. I use it and I love it. And you can get 10% off using the code BUILT at buildpodcast.net slash cwc. For all of the show notes, head over to howibuilt.it slash 72. If you like the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. It helps people discover us. And finally, while I've alluded to Patreon in this episode, uh, I've really been putting a good effort towards making it the best it can be. I'm really doubling down on it. So if you like the show and you want to support it directly, head over to patreon.com slash howibuiltit. You can support the show for as little as $1 a month. Next week, we'll close out this series by talking to my good friend Brad Williams about client relations. Brad is working with some big companies over at WebDev Studios, so he knows a thing or two. Make sure to tune in. And until next time, get out there and build something.